right, everyone, welcome back to Mavs Sports Take Episode 4. Ryan Roberts here, Rising Draft on Twitter with my good friend David Turner at Mav underscore sports. Ryan Roberts, Director of Scouting at NFL Draft Bible, NFL Draft Writer for the Fantasy Draft Room. Uh, also, a bunch of exciting seminars that I have the fortune of hosting every third week with Mr. Brian Baldinger and um, on his Baldy's Breakdown segment, a part of NFL Draft Bible. And then we also do Friday Night Scout School every Friday, 9 Eastern time with my good friend here, Mr. David Turner. And I'm going to read off the list of accolades for this man. Every week, it gets better and better. So, David <laughs> is a former professional scout for the Miami Dolphins, Oakland Raiders, Carolina Panthers, New York Giants, and San Francisco 49ers for 18 years in the scouting industry. He was also part of three straight Arena League titles with the Arizona Rattlers as the Director of Player Personnel and Assistant General Manager. A brief stop with the Edmonton Eskimos as well in the CFL. He's now the owner-president of Maverick Sports Consulting as well as the Director of Player Personnel with the ANC American National Combines. And, of course, saving the best for last, my partner in crime, as I said, on Friday Night Scout School. David, th- we talk about first every week, right? And this is our first double interview segment of Mav Sports Take. How are you tonight, my friend? How excited are we for another adventure into the sports world with the one and only Ryan Roberts. One and only Ryan Roberts. Again, don't let this man fool you. He has got credentials out the wazoo for such a young man. This is this is an impressive young resume by Ryan Roberts. And tonight, yeah, bam, we're bringing you not one, but two key interviews, bringing it live to you here on Mav Sports Take. If you're watching this on Twitter, if you're watching this on live, I hope you're going to enjoy this show as much as I'm enjo- going to enjoy being part of it. But I hope, Ryan, you had your energy drink. Hope you had your cup of coffee because it's going to be a long night here. We got great guests coming up. I mean, think about it. We got the former director of college scouting for the Oakland Raiders, and he's coming on to talk about how the the, the environment of the uh, college football, the environment of pro football, a little bit of what he's up to right now, which is going to be helping young men and women in their next adventures in life. I'll let him get into it because I'm sure I'll screw it up. And then we got a, a player who's already made a decision to opt out, enter into the NFL draft, and we're bringing this to you on episode four ever of Mavs Sports Take. I mean, this is coming off of having Tom Pelissero on last week, and now this, I mean, come on. It doesn't get much better than this. Our guests are just flocking to this show, and it's exciting to be part of it. It's just happening so organically. I appreciate it a whole lot. So when you're ready, sir, let's get it. I can't wait, man. And, and the juice is definitely um, doesn't need to be to be faked this week, man. We have two great interviews. Of course, uh, Brad Kaplan, who we're about to bring on in a second, also, Danny Gonzalez. Oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher his name when I introduce him. But it's Godlewski, a All Mac selection at center for Miami, Ohio. I am super pumped to be able to bring him on. I really am a, a, a huge fan of his as a 2021 NFL prospect. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about him and his teammate, uh, Mr. Doyle, the uh, offensive tackle, who's also made the same decision to enter the draft, to forego a potential spring season, obviously with the Mac pushing back until the spring. So without further ado, I'm going to queue up our first guest of tonight, Mr. Brad Kaplan. Uh, Brad, who David knows uh, a ton from, obviously, in the scouting world, 
Uh, we're going to be proud to bring him on tonight. He's a former college scouting director for the Oakland Raiders. During his tenure with the Raiders, they drafted players such as Khalil Mack, Amari Cooper, Derek Carr, and many others. Brad is now the scouting director at Athletes Launch, a new technology which we'll get into to help athletes launch their post-playing their post careers. Brad is also a graduate of, Pal of uh, Cal Poly. Um, so, Brad, I, I see him. He's on the screen. He's ready to go. I know, Brad, you're, you're, a, uh, you're, you're well, um, you're well uh, connected, obviously, with David. I'm so excited I can't even spit it out, man. Brad, first and foremost, man, appreciate you coming on with us tonight. Thank you so much, guys. And, uh, and Ryan, you probably need to take a little break after you have to shoot out all of, all of David's uh, resume there. You know, you got to have a quick <laughs> break for that. It's, it's, uh, it could be a podcast in amongst itself, just David's credentials. It's, it's crazy. Um, Brad, I joked with you on Twitter, man, but I want to start this off the right way, right? Most embarrassing David Turner story, or you oh, can tell me on. just maybe a, a nice story you have with him if you'd rather just be nice guy over here. Um. What I really appreciate about David is, uh, is he is who he is, right? You know, love him or hate him. And he kind of is, is, is that person no matter what, right? So he could be talking to a coach that's making 10 times more than him and has all the say and he has none of the say and he's still going to, you know, disagree with this person and, uh, and, he, and he's still going to challenge him just the same. And uh, I think my favorite part about working with, with, with David is, is, is seeing him uh, in those interactions, right? And a lot of people get turned off by it, but uh, but he is who he is, man. And, and it's around anyone. It's talking to coaches. It's talking to him. You know, he was when he was talking with Mr. Davis, he did the same thing. And you know, Mr. Davis, you know, did always like it, but uh, but Dave was just going to be Dave. That is true. Mr. Davis didn't always like it, but sometimes, you know, you know, he would pr pretend like he didn't like it, but then later on, it would come around that he enjoyed the conversation or something. Yeah, and I don't want David's ego to get boosted too much here, Brad. We're uh, obviously living in a very strange world uh, football-wise. You know, it was nice to get a little bit of college football on the screen last, last uh, weekend, Saturday night. Uh, trying to go through a somewhat level of normalcy. I don't know if we can do that with college football. Obviously, with your scouting background, how difficult is it going to be this year? You know, me and David have talked about this a lot. You know, usually scouts have their schedules ready, what visits are going on, where they're stopping uh, on the road. What, what is this world going to be like now from a scouting perspective for everyone? Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to imagine football happening at all. And, you know, to, to have them not have any, you know, really positive tests in the NFL is, is crazy because, you know, you guys and, you know, David especially can – touch on it also you know when you go out to a football practice just a practice there's so many people that are out on the on the field you know from all the players are out there you know you have 20 plus coaches then you have the support staff then you have the trainers and um the, the doctors and then you have the equipment and everyone else that is is there to just to boost and, and get the practice going you know and that doesn't even have an you know, that's just a single team right so it'll be interesting when games start and you add travel on um, to it as well because it's a uh, they have a steep hill to climb and and they're trying to climb it you know at least most of the, you know college football but uh, it seems it seems hard. 
And what do you think about the decision about the Pac-10 or Pac-12 and Big Ten? What you know, because now the Big Ten seem to be under some fire. Even today, President Trump said he talked to their commissioner and stuff about it. What's your take on the pressure that they're they're getting to play football? And then what's your uh, take on the decision not to play? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the the, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten kind of they made they made the hard decision, right? They, that's the unpopular decision and. I think that decision that they made was was uh, um, kind of you know it showed. I think it showed real leadership. Um, as, as much as people don't want to hear it, you know, football is not essential, right? And um, people people are you know really suffering out there, and this thing is spreading. And uh, it, it's hard to imagine football spreading it more, and and you know why why we need to be doing that. Um, but I also understand the the other side of it too, because you know I've talking to you know, other college athletes, you know, you know, even, you know, other sports outside of football, you talk about, you know, women's volleyball, and they understand that their only hope for playing this fall was if, if football was going, because football is the driver for, um, you know, so much of college athletics. And it's hard, you know, there's, it's not, there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. It's just, you know, like we're living in COVID right now, it's, everything's hard. And that was one thing that we we talked a lot about over the course of this COVID thing is that the finances have been based around college football, whether you're a small program or you're one of the big five, right? And since that's where the money has been coming for so long, when you have this massive disrupt like right now, I mean, they've already missed on the NC2A tournament, basketball tournament, and all fall sports, sorry, spring sports of 2020 that they didn't get any revenue for them. And now to miss on the fall sports, have a whole calendar year without money coming in. Like we saw Iowa, they dropped four, th- four sports already um, through their program. And they went down from 24 to 20. Um, and we know that more of these decisions are going to be coming because it's hard without these paychecks coming in. So for, for you to say like, you know, it's the right decision and it's and it's hard. It's it's. I think it's good for everybody to hear that because you know you're a man that made his money in football. Like I'm a man who made a money in football, and Ryan makes his money off of football and 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 sports in general. It's how we keep our you know bread on the table for our family. But to hear somebody like in your stature and your st- status to say it's the right decision, you know, that's very. I think that's very powerful. Yeah, I mean, but it's like you said. You know, these 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 schools. You know, canceling sports and you're here today, you know, Texas, um, they had a bunch of layoffs today. They had a bunch of furloughs today. And that's, that's the university of, Te- uh, of Texas, right? You think, you think they're untouchable, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, I've had conversations with people there, you know, um, you know, tra- talking about athletes launch, which we can get into, but you know, their, their, their athletic department is so robust that they don't think they need help in a lot of things. And, um, to, to hear that they're laying off people and, and going through these times, man, if they're going through it, everybody is. Right. Yep. Places like Iowa, you know, Texas, these are big programs making tough decisions and imagine what the lower level schools are going to have to make coming up. No doubt. And Brett, I know I asked a little bit about, you know, how this scouting world is going to kind of get, you know, flipped upside down a little bit. One thing that I just keep thinking about is, so David talked to me a little bit about in the past, you know, sometimes you're in those scouting meeting meetings and you're not really pounding the table 
for everyone, right? Like you're kind of picking and choosing the guys that you really want to stand up for. for. In a situation like this where we're seeing a guy like maybe Greg Russo from Miami declare after just one year of production, Michael Parsons only playing, you know, until his sophomore year, those types of things. How difficult is that a facet of it for guys to really, you know, put your stamp on a guy that you've barely seen tape on, maybe one year of production, and kind of on top of that, where are we getting our information from? Who are you trusting to, to ultimately make your evaluation and then, and then um, offer up that decision and that, that evaluation to a scouting department general manager? Yeah, those are, those are really good questions because I know for me, when I wanted to really fight for a guy, I always wanted to make sure that I felt really good about the character. Um, I feel like you know, most of the misses that happen are, are based off of who the guy is and if I felt really good about someone's character, then I could, felt like I could really fight for them. And uh, it'll be harder now for sure, because, you know, a lot of these colleges are now going to go to, you know, meetings online, which, you know, is fine. Right. And, and I think, you know, in some ways it, it makes it easier for scouts to, to do it, but it, it doesn't give you that one-on-one connection with certain times. And, and that's going to hurt um, the scouts ability to really, really feel good about um, their, their grades. And, you know, I think a lot of the scouting part can be virtual, right? Um, you know, a lot of scouting part doesn't need to be on the road 24-7, but you still need to be able to see these people in person and you still need to um, you still need to be able to talk to these sources, right? So it's, I think it's going to be uh, a lot of value for the scouts that have really good sources and, and have a, a maintained staff of sources, right? So they don't um, have to, you know, meet new people or they don't have to figure out which, which source they need to trust because that's what scouting is. You know, you, you hear so many different opinions on players from people around the program and you need to figure out who, who is a good source and who is a bad source. And for younger scouts, that's hard. And for a scout going into a new area, that's hard. So scouts that have been in the same region or going into the same schools, they'll, they'll, they'll have the advantage. Yeah, absolutely, Brad. I mean, I can attest. I mean, you, you sent me into Utah. I know exactly who to talk to <laughs> and who's going to blow smoke, right? So I, I totally agree with you there. And I think teams like, you know, let's just say like the Giants who let a lot of their, their guys go, their veterans go and went with a, a youth movement there. I think they're going to wind up um, what they used to be a very strong team with all this. Now I think they're going to wind up having some, uh, stumbling blocks here out the gates because again you know you're now you the access to who you talk to is up to the school who they put on the zoom call, call is all you're going to get access to when i walk in and i stumble around a building and i you know me how i do it <laughs> i can wander into a lot of different places and find different nooks and crannies to get information out of folks so yeah you're almost going to have the tale told to you versus you discovering the true character of somebody now yeah, totally. I mean, most of these coaches aren't going to, as my doorbell rings here, uh, <laughs> COVID, right? And, yeah. uh, um, but uh, yeah, most of these coaches aren't, aren't you know, they don't, their numbers aren't available for people and they're not going to be you know, ready to get on a Zoom call for, you know, massive people. And if they, if they, if they do get on a Zoom call, they're not going to say anything, you know, worth talking about. So those... Uh, those scouts that have the numbers and, and have those connections, that's going to be huge. I was going to say, Brad, on that note, because you were talking about, you know, how it's not easy to get the coach's number, which is 
so true. And have them trust you, even if you do have their number, to get on the call with you. Let's take this to let's let's switch it on to. There's a lot of bad GMs in the in the NFL, and we're seeing some of them being played out right now. Can you name us some, David? Oh, absolutely. If I uh, wanted to, right. and, and how do they keep their jobs? In your opinion, you've worked in the trenches. You've worked your way up to a director's level at the NFL level. Why and how are these men keeping their jobs when that when we're just seeing teams absolutely lose draft picks, lose cap? I mean, there's three teams that uh, right now have over thirty million dollar in cap space that has just been chewed up and it's just sitting there. I mean, those are all pro salaries. You could pay two, one or two all pro guys with that money and it's dead cap money. Like how do these guys keep getting jobs being recycled or even just retain their jobs? Yeah. It's uh, it's funny too, because sports you think of as a meritocracy, right? And you think the the best just rise and, and, you know, when you lose, you fall off and, and you, you know, lose your spot that, but that really only, only applies to the players. The, the the scouts and the coaches it's a uh, it's an old it's an old boys network right and it's you know who you know and it's who's your buddy and um you know who can talk to the owner and talk to people around the building and you know a lot of times the the scouts that you know are really good evaluators and really good um football skills they don't have that politician in them to to sweet talk the you know the CEO and the owners and, and things like that, where, you know, those guys kind of get run out of there. And um, yeah, it's just, it, it doesn't, the meritocracy of the playing field just doesn't apply to coaches and to scouts. And again, we're here with Mr. Brad Kaplan, former college scouting director for the, for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, now a uh, senior director at athletes launch new technology to help athletes launch their launch their post-playing career. A little bit of a uh, alliteration there. Brad, why don't you tell us a little bit about Athletes Launch and what you have been doing since, uh, obviously, being on the scouting trails. Yeah, so um, for me, it was, you know, great spot to land because you see so many of these former players that um, once they're done, they don't know what to do next because when you're in football, you have to be all in. And coaches, you know, push that and and to be uh, excellent at something, it, it takes a lot of your time. And so they don't get to focus much on what they're going to do next. But for 99% of the, the country and, and, and to athletes out there um, at the college level, they're not going to make their, their money for the rest of their life off of sports. And so helping them try to figure out what is next um, is what, what we're doing. At, it's at Athletes Launch. It's a, it's a website at athletesLaunch.com, and it's in the Apple Store. Um, you can download it there. And it's a place for former athletes, college athletes, professional athletes, Olympic athletes, and helping them that their transition to, to life after sports. So you got companies um, that understand the value of former athletes because, man, the skill set of being an elite athlete, I mean, it's the top 2% of the country, right? And so those skills, they just, they, they translate to the, to the workforce. When you're talking about using this app um, to help the hiring of new athletes, is that what we're talking about here? How, yeah, how would, how would you talk about, we had the question in the mailbag, so I wanted to ask you this question. Um, how do you see the hiring process for new scouts coming in to the league versus like when, and talk a little bit about how you broke in and, and tell them that story. Cause I, I mean, obviously I was in the building, so I love to hear this story. Yeah. I think that's one of the questions I get asked the most, right. Is how do you get in to NFL scouting, right? How do you, how do you get in? 
And a lot of times I'll say not the way that I did it. Right. I, uh, yeah. I felt like I got very lucky and it's not the way that I would advise it. Um, it was my dream. I wanted to be an NFL scout. That's what I wanted to do. And I put together this draft project and yeah, when I was in college and sent it everywhere, sent it to the GM and sent it to the director of college scouting every team. And in 2007, I was able to lucky enough to get my foot in the door with the Raiders and, and, uh, and I stuck around there for 12 years. Um, but the way I would do it now, if I was trying to get my foot in, is you gotta you gotta get into a building, right? And I think the fastest way in is to get to a college program that needs help. Uh, you know, not not a you know power five school. Go to a one double A or go to a division two, division three, and be helpful, right? Get in there and and work. You know, I think all those programs need bodies from you know helping out recruiting to helping out you know filming practice. I think uh, you know the video guys, the equipment guys, they always need bodies. And make yourself useful to that, you know, those people get your foot in the door. Then you learn a little bit about recruiting, learn a little bit about the, the scouting process. And, you know, you start seeing scouts come into your school and, and then you can, you know, start talking with them. Um, because as a, you know, for, for us hiring with the Raiders, you know, we, we mostly hired, you know, college staff. And people that we knew on the road and our, all of our scouts would be able to submit resumes from people that they'd met over the year. And, uh, and making those connections is, is, will be huge if, you, if you're trying to get into the league. And Brad, I wanted to ask, because David always talks about his Al Davis stories, kind of winding down with our time here. Do you have one that might stick out of your mind a little bit? Maybe just like a, a funny conversation or a funny just altercation? Well, I don't want to say altercation, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Man, that's so many good memories and bad memories and getting yelled at memories, right? From yeah, from that's Davis. a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, man, I have so many, so many great memories uh, of working working for him. Uh, one that I I was thinking about earlier today was, uh, you know, his last year of his life. Um, I was lucky enough to, to to get close enough to to be in on a lot of the meetings and be on a lot of the meetings with the coaching staff and. It was lockout year and over the 4th of July, which was his birthday, I took two days off. And I remember when I came back, um, that next, that next day, that first day back in the office, we had a meeting. Uh, it was me and all the, you know, either offensive staff or the defensive staff. And he always had me with him to, at that point to help him, you know, any question he had on players, right. You know, tell me about this, you know, who's their backup this, or, you know, what's the arm and hand of this person. I had all that stuff and that meeting, you know, he asked for something so off the wall and he knew I didn't have it. Right. He, he knew that I, I wouldn't have that. And, uh, and he's, and you know, he, he just cursed at me. It was like, you know, oh, Brad, Brad's still on vacation. You know, <laughs> I took two days off the whole off season and, uh, and he killed me for it. But, uh, that's exactly why he did it. That's Mr. exactly Davis. why he did it. I remember those days. Yeah. I went to see my son one time and I got, uh, during training camp and it was this 24 hour trip for his birthday. And I got, mm, I'd hate to deny your son, his father on his birthday. Then <laughs> <laughs> you come back. You don't even know if you have a job. You're just like, <laughs> what's, what am I walking back into right now? Then you're, you're just in the, you know, you're in the outhouse for a couple of days and you work your way out of it. Yeah. Some, some of my best, uh, 
best memories over my my time in the NFL was was being able to work with him. And it was, uh, you know, you got yelled at all the time. And that was the way that he he, he taught you. And uh, I definitely, you know, learned a lot and worked work, work my tail off for him. Absolutely. We wouldn't have any other way, right? Um, so I uh, want to end out the interview by thanking you so much um, for, for your time today. I know David sp- spoke very glowingly about you earlier today. Um, and it was it was a great conversation, a lot of insight. So from myself, David, obviously, as well, I'm sure he'll give you your uh, your goodbyes as well. But I want to thank you so much for taking some time today. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, check me out on uh, on Twitter, Kaplan with a K, and find me on LinkedIn as well, Brad Kaplan, and uh, you know, check out what we're doing at Athletes Launch. Yeah, everybody should be pay- paying attention to what this man's doing right now because ever since I met him when 2007, I mean, he's done nothing but, you know, succeed. Even when he fails, he fails forward. So, I mean, this guy is a winner all the way through everything he's ever touched. So um, if you're not familiar with Athlete Launch and you're an athlete, you really need to go. If you're a parent of an athlete, if you're a friend of an athlete, you know, you need to go check this out because this technology is what's coming. And he's in the forefront, as usual, of uh, big things. and He's going to make it happen. Um, I appreciate you coming on tonight, Brad. Obviously, brother, we'll have you on again and talk more ball with you enjoy your evening there in the bay enjoy your your new baby and your wife and all that and uh thanks again so much all right we want want to send a big shout out obviously to mr brad kaplan for coming on with us today the first of our two interviews for tonight uh, live as always 8 30 eastern time every tuesday release time is 12 o'clock eastern uh sorry 12 o'clock pacific time and three o'clock eastern time on wednesdays if you uh didn't get a chance to check out the live we will appreciate you for tuning in to Mav Sports Take tonight. If you like what you hear, please can, can, uh, consider signing up for our Friday Night Scout School Season Pass. David and I teach a weekly class on how to view football through a scouting eye, through a scouting lens. This coming week is safeties. We see how much safeties are becoming high-priced free agents and pricey trade bait uh, this offseason specifically. We talk about guys like Buda Baker, Jamal Adams getting traded, uh, some guys getting paid. And this is why we you should tune in to Friday Night Scout School each and every week. Uh, David, just some some brief comments on Mr. Kaplan. What was what was kind of your main takeaways as we get closer to our second interview of this episode? Well, main takeaway with Brad is like you know you hear him talk about the the different landscapes changing and how he you know gave the kudos to making the tough decision. As a true leader, you can recognize tough decisions. Um, and that they're not the easy ones, they're not the popular ones, but still you have to make them for the betterment of whatever your company is. Or in this case, when we were talking about the the player safety in the middle of a pandemic, you know, just those kind of decisions are when you see a true leader rise to the top. So, you know, I really commend uh, Brad for coming on, talking openly about everything. And then also his advice on how to break into the business. So many of our, our viewers, our listeners, um, ask us uh, again how to get in and that's the best way is to find a program that needs help go be the difference when you do move on leave it better than it was you know when brad left the raiders like you said in your intro they had drafted guys like khalil mack and cooper and Derek carr and so many others that are still there and helping that organization achieve greatness again down now in las vegas so you know for for any young person a piece of advice you really got to think about that you take away from Brad is go in and find a place that you can make a difference and leave it better than what you found it.
and I, I keep accidentally calling them the Oakland Raiders, even though they're the Las Vegas Raiders. I know it obviously it, it was fine because you guys were with the Oakland Raiders, but it's just does that at any point does that sound does that sound normal at any point the Las Vegas Raiders for you? Not in my head, and and you know what? I don't know if I'll ever call them that. You know, I might just call them Raiders from now on, or the Raiders. You know, like go go old school, like Mister Davis would have liked the Raider Nation whole thing. Is just they're the Raiders, um, because I, I I don't know if I could say that this any city but Oakland. I really can't. Absolutely, and I know we um, we've had now the privilege of talking to a lot of excellent guests in only this fourth episode. We have Mister Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. If you didn't check out the episode, please go back. We're on every platform you can imagine. Map Sports Take, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio. Anything that you use to you listen to your podcast, we are on. Breaking out now, the next interview, the second on the list. I'm really excited to talk about this. We talk about an ever-changing and tough decision-making world right now. We have a young man now that's coming into the, the, uh, the chat here who made a decision. We have uh, Mr. Danny Golevsky who is the starting center, or was the starting center, I guess. Now she used past tense for the University of Miami, Ohio, Red Hawks. All-MAC player last couple years. Remington Award preseason watch list for three seasons. Uh, has taken the, um, has made the choice now, opting out of his final year of eligibility and getting ready preparation for the 2021 NFL Draft. So now I have Mr. Uh, Danny Godlewski on the air here. Uh, Danny, can you hear us okay? Yeah, I got you. How you doing, guys? I'm good, man. How's everything on your end? It's going good, man. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So, Danny, help, let me, help me understand something. Help me understand something really quick. Now, who helped you make this decision to, to opt out? and enter into the NFL draft. Who who was in your your circle to of trust, let's call that, and 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 help you made this decision? Yeah, so you know, I had a lot of conversations with my family and coach Martin and coach Barnett. You know, they continues for a couple of weeks and ultimately I had just to make the decision to uh leave Miami, you know, and it was a tough one. You know, I really wish I could play with my brothers this year in 2020 and win another Mac championship. But uh, I really want to focus on the things I can't control, and I couldn't control not playing this year. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but it's the best decision for me. And Coach Martin and Coach Barnett really helped me out. So, so Danny, I I actually had the fortune a few minutes before we started, before we went live here. Coach Barnett, actually, he he hit me up on Twitter, he DM'd me, and uh, because I obviously had made a little, you know, Twitter post about you yesterday, highlighted some awesome plays that I was incredibly impressed by when I was watching your film. And he he messaged me, he said, you know, uh, Danny's a good one, man. Like you need you need to, uh, you know, keep keep kind of speaking the truth on him as a potential NFL player and all these good things. So talk to me about the the guys closest to you. Obviously, with Coach Barnett, you, you spoke about a little bit helping you make that decision. I know Mr. Doyle, the left tackle for the team, also made a similar decision. So how close were you to not only Coach Barnett making that decision, but also uh, Mr. Doyle over there at left tackle? Yeah, you know, so uh, when we got here in 2016, Tommy and I were roommates off, off bat. So we were best friends since the beginning. And, you know, we've had this mindset of, hey, man, we're in this together. We're, we're confident. We're confident dudes. And we really want to make a name for ourselves and make a career out of this. So we helped each other grow throughout the process and going through it with him as my best friend. It's, it's an experience like none other. And uh, with coach Barnett, 
it's, it's a funny story actually because a few years back when he was coaching for University of Indianapolis, my cousin was the center there. And so my cousin had a lot of success at U, U of I. And growing up, I really looked, looked out to my cousin Tim and seeing his success, I kept hearing Coach Barnett's name, Coach Barnett's name. And then eventually when my time come to get, to get recruited and I had the opportunity to play for Coach Barnett, it didn't really matter who was offering me. And I was, I was like, I want to play for him. I knew from a young age I wanted to. And it's funny how it worked out. That's awesome. Now, tell me about um, what do you think your, your top three strengths are going into this draft process? Like going in and, and saying, if I'm an O-line coach in the NFL and I want to get to know you, what, what are your top three strengths? Uh, firstly, you know, I'm a, I'm a really competitive dude. I love the game of football and uh, so I, I work really hard. You know, I'm a technician. I'm always in a growth mindset. I really want to get better and grow every single day. And, you know, thirdly, I'm a some people say I'm an undersized guy, but I don't think I am because the way I play, I play, I play tough and I play bigger than I actually am. So what do you usually what's your playing weight usually? Uh, last year, I played at 295 to 300. It kind of fluctuated in that that range. What's the heaviest you've ever played at? uh 302 i believe 302 yeah and that's so you're comfortable in that 305 to 295 range yeah i would say like 295 to 298 range is my peak athletic state center as an athlete what what changed the game <laughs> and i just kind of wanted to give a little background on danny as a person that's been able to watch the film taking a look look at him if you, if you go back to that Twitter poll, I kind of try to highlight what I felt was the best parts of your game, Danny. You know, it, I feel like from a, techni- from a technical perspective, really fluid hips. You're able – you under- clearly understand leverage, how to get your body positioned correctly. Felt like very strong hands, very strong. And I think a lot of guys get a kind of a misnomer by you because, like, you're not the tallest guy, right? And, and you, maybe you, you kind of win off of being a really physical football player that they don't think you're a great athlete. But I saw several times you're pulling into space, you're moving to the second level. So I think that you're a much better athlete than maybe some people give you credit for. If, you, if I could ask you about what you think is the biggest developments of your game, what, what are some things that maybe when you first got to Miami – that you didn't consider a strength, but now you kind of look back and say, those were the biggest important attributes for me to improve on and become the player you are now. You know, definitely, like you just mentioned, my athleticism and my functionality in my hips. The past year or so, me and Tommy, you know, we've worked a lot on becoming a functional athlete. We've uh, focused a lot on recovery and doing yoga and Pilates in our off time, and that's really paid off. And I would say from my freshman year until now, and I'm still even growing and getting better daily is my athlete, like being a functional athlete and working on my hips and my bendability every day. Mm-hmm. And is it, it, I might have this wrong, but isn't Tommy a former uh, hockey player or something, right? Like he's got a skating background or something. Who, who's got better balance then? Is it, is it easy one for him? Oh, it's me for, it's me for sure, man. No, no doubt about it. Look at that confidence coming through. Okay. Mr. Confident. What's your strategy from now until the NFL draft? What I mean, if if you're if you're always thinking forward, right? What what's your strategy you're going to execute to be ready for that draft day experience? Uh, so right now, nothing's really set in stone about my plan, but I know for the next couple months, three to four months, I'm going to focus on working with Coach Barnett a lot and working locally with our guy Josh Holstetter at uh, Breakthrough and uh, Breakthrough Strength and Performance in Cincinnati. Tommy and I have been working with him for the past year, and he's 
a big functional strength guy. He's a super genius, I think. And uh, so I'll be working out with him and Coach Barnett locally for the next three to four months, and then that's what my plan is for right now. Have you made any uh, any idea or any headway on uh, representation or anything like that since you've already opted out? Or have you been approached by – obviously your name's out there. Have any of the agents approached you and tried to recruit you yet? Yeah, right now I'm uh, verbally committed to JL Sports with Joe Linta and Anthony Larubio. I know them very well. Yeah, I'll be signing with them the next uh, couple weeks when I'm back in Oxford. So, You tell Joe I said hello. Will do. And, Danny, as we have you here for the last few minutes, I want to ask this because I love asking people this because, obviously, you're getting very close to it. What I'm assuming has been a dream probably for you since you were a little kid, right, being able to play professional football. Uh, What's that going to be like, man? How much has that meant to you? When did that dream begin for you? You know, uh, it's funny because I was actually looking through some old, old like, first-grade uh, time capsule yesterday, and I had a letter from my dad from 2005. He's like, hey, Danny, right now you, you should be graduating from high school, and I really hope you are achieving your dreams of playing college football. And I was like, wow, man, like, that was back in 2005. I was a first-grader. So, like, I re- I, from a young age, I've always loved football. I've been in a competitive family, a football family, and it's – I mean, I'm not in the NFL now. I, right now, I got a lot of, I got a ton of work to do, and I'm super excited for the process. But I mean, if if I were to make it, and when I do make it, I'm, it's gonna be a, a special moment for me and my family for sure. So absolutely. And one thing that I loved, and I really wanted to highlight so much outside of your game, is I've seen some offensive linemen. You know, so when I think of bad offensive linemen names, right? I remember there was a guy named Guy Wimper that played for the New York Giants, which has to be the worst last name I've ever heard of an offensive lineman, right? Wimper. Godlevsky, dude. I could I could get down with the name Godlevsky on the offensive line for sure. So I just wanted to I just wanted to throw that one out there for you. I'm sure my family would appreciate that one. Well, you know what? When I watch this game, he kind of reminds me of a, a O'Hare that used to be the Giants' center for a while. I mean, he wasn't always the biggest guy. He was about 305, maybe 308, you know. But he was a nasty little sucker in there, and he was really smart. He can make all the calls. He can do all the uh, line adjustments and, you know, things that you need to do as a center. But he – and again, he was a captain that always, you know, carried the – uh to see right on his chest. And as I've watched you, Danny, in your game a little bit, and then here tonight, you really do remind me a lot of O'Hare. So, you know, hopefully that helps and people, you know, start comparing you to those kind of guys because that that's what I'm seeing so far as I started down this road with you. I appreciate that, man. That's an honor. Yeah, and, and that's that's coming from an 18-year scouting vet in the, in the uh, National Football League, professional football leagues all over the place, Arena mm-hmm. League. So obviously high praise for you, Danny. I want to ask you one last question because uh, David Turner also does some consulting. So you're going to be asked this a million times before whenever you you get drafted or you're signed, whatever it ends up being. And this is very cliche. You ready for it? What can Danny Godlewski bring to my organization? The moment that he steps foot in the door, what are you bringing to an offensive line room and the team in general? You know, I'm bringing up mentality of getting better every day, a competitive SOB. And, you know, it doesn't matter who's going to line up in front of me because I'm going to get the job done no matter what. No excuses. Love it. Great answer. Great answer. Hey, I commend you for making this decision. I commend you for handling the adversity that's, you know, thrown our way as a society right now, keeping a smile on your face and, you know what, the competitive attitude to attack it. 
uh, as I'm watching this interview unfold tonight and, and experiencing you for the first time, I really commend you for taking this head on and being a, a, a what it looks like a great leader um, for an offensive line. So good for you. I applaud you, sir. And uh, again, if you do need any help, tell Joe to call me. Like I said, I know him really well and I can circle back and help you out. Will do, man. I really appreciate you guys having me. Oh, absolutely. So again, Mr. Danny Golevsky, former All-Max Center from University of Miami, Ohio here. Uh, Danny, want to thank you again so much. Only our fourth episode so far. You're, you're the uh, first current player that we have, have had on the show. So you're a part of trivia. You're a part of history, man. Appreciate it again so much for taking some time. Well, man, it's an honor. Take care. Good luck to you, Danny. You too, Appreciate brother. Have a good one. All right, so our first opt-out, our first current – uh, I almost said NFL player. That's soon enough, right? He's going to be in pretty soon. Um, obviously, a, a really nice player for Miami, Ohio over the last few years. Uh, David, quick, just thoughts. Uh, being a person that's been in, in so many meetings with players, so many interviews, doing the consulting you do, the one-on-one with players, how impressive of a young man do you think Danny Godlevsky is? I really enjoyed Danny because, you know, the eye contact, even though we're doing this via Zoom, he was eye contact was good. His body posture was good. He wasn't fidgeting. He wasn't moving around. He was confident in his posturing that and answering every question. We didn't throw him off by asking him anything um, where he was uncomfortable answering it. He seemed like he was ready for each one we threw him. So, uh, you know, I really – and like I said, he – he seems like he, he's a man who's taking it by, you know, the bull by the horns here and just saying, hey, listen, it's not the right decision for me to play a spring season. I'm going to be prepared and ready to go for the um, NFL draft and the process, whatever they, whatever that looks like. I'll be ready for it by sticking around. I applaud him for sticking around at school, working with Coach Barnett and uh, the strength coach that he's working with there in Cincinnati. You know, it, it, a lot of these players want to be sent away from home and put up and all this to do. And he's, you know, offensive lineman mentality. I'm going to stick with what I know, and I'm going to stick with who I know, and they're going to get me where they I need to be. So, you know, again, he really seemed like an impressive young man. Getting to know him, first introduction to him, I really enjoyed Danny tonight with uh, his mentality, his approach to this interview, and his approach to what he sees to lay out for himself coming forward for the process that he's going to take on. It's, it's a very adverse time, and he's handling the adversity really well. So I applaud him for that. And I love the, the, just the competitiveness in his voice. You know, they have the really nice left tackle coming out this year to Miami, Ohio. Not too often you get two legit guys in the offensive line coming out of Miami, Ohio with the Red Hawks. So uh, Tommy Doyle, very good left tackle, first team All-Mac last year. I asked him a couple questions, comparing himself a little bit to, to Mr. Doyle, and uh, you heard him, man. He said he is number one in that room. So I love it so much. It was a great conversation. If you aren't following Mr. David Turner uh, on Twitter, Mav underscore sports, Maverick Sports Consulting was created to help professionals in the sporting community to showcase their passion for their sport in a professional manner. Whether that is to help you uh, when approaching an interview, creating a social media marketing plan, or helping you build and take a Wonderlick test, we have here to help you and maximize your opportunity. Please head over to maverickSportsConsulting.com to find your advantage package today. Last section here, as always, mailbag section. We love answering your questions each and every week. Thank you, everyone, for submitting questions for this week. David, first one, uh, jumped right into mailbag. Jeff Schram, apologize if I'm not pronouncing that correct, asked, do you believe 
the draft will still take place in April of 2021. I know that there is a option to push it back, I think sometime early in June. But David, do you think that we're going to be on pace to have this in April? Or do you think that it's a pushback situation? I think it ultimately is going to be a pushback situation, um, mainly because two of the top power fives didn't play in the fall. And if they want to uh, rectify any kind of spring season, it'll have to be pushed back all-star games, combine, all that kind of stuff. I know it's being discussed right now. If the combine can be pushed back a couple weeks, um, allowing some folks to maybe potentially host a winter spring season and then uh, do some combine stuff later. But, um, you know, I ultimately think it will be pushed back with what's going on in our country and everything right now. So I, I, you know, and as you alluded, and I think Tom Pelissero last week on the podcast alluded, we can definitely push it back till the CBA allows us to push it back till June 2nd. So you might see like a May 15th draft this year, you know, uh, take place and, you know, hopefully they'll have one taking place in person. Um, so people can get that whole experience of shaking the commissioner's hand and walking across the stage. Absolutely. I would hate for people to lose out on opportunity. I feel like the, the pushback will definitely help a lot of people in a lot of different areas. Next question we have Mr. Keon Johnson, good friend of the show. With the start of football season upon us, who or which team do you believe has positioned themselves to be the most impressive team this year as far as with changes aside from Kansas City? So when I look at who the most talented roster is in the NFL, because that's what I'm looking at in the preseason, right? I want to look at coaching. I want to look at what, what the roster looks like um, in a uncertain time too. You know, with, with um, some limited opportunities, like I just said in the preseason, I feel like the more veteran, veteran roster combined with a, you know, a stable head coach coaching department, I think is really big, obviously for the 2020 season moving here. So my vote would honestly be for the New Orleans Saints. I think that they are going, uh, they're always a threat, right? As long as they have Sean Payton, Drew Brees, they're going to be in the conversation. Drew Brees' final year, uh, maybe it'll be a swan song. Maybe it'll be like uh, John Elway's story ending type of career. But I, I think the New Orleans Saints, top to bottom, might have the strongest, most consistent roster in the NFL. And, you know, as long as they have Drew Brees, I'm definitely not going to count them out in the Super Bowl contention conversation. You know, that's interesting because I like the Saints a lot. Don't get me wrong. But I have other teams that come to mind. One of the major ones that is coming to mind is the Seattle Seahawks. You know, the Seahawks, with uh, what they've been able to amass and through trades and moves, as well as having the core, like you said, coaching staff, evaluators, GM, all in place for, you know, a decade now. And, you know, Russell Wilson being there, I think they've done an ex excellent job uh, getting that team ready for the next level. I mean, they've revamped and re and refocused that team, you know, and then, you you, you know, you got to look over at Minnesota. They're doing everything possible to make a run. I mean, they, they are, you know, trades, uh, draft day. They drafted like 13 young guys to afford some some freedom on their cap. They, they signed 16, I think, undrafted free agents. I mean, they're trying to build young while adding veterans at certain positions to get them where they need to go. It's a young energy. I heard there's a lot of a lot of young energy in that locker room, which has invigorated some of the veterans with um, that youth 
So, you know, I think – and then the Buffalo Bills. I mean, look at what the Buffalo Bills have done. The Buffalo Bills have really, I think, are starting to hit stride. And without Brady being in New England, I think the Bills are a team that have really done a lot of great things to be ready to take the next step. And they have a great young quarterback. So, you know, these are three teams that come to mind under that question. I like it. I like it so much. Kind of leading off of that question, we have Jeff again, Jeff Schram, asking, who's going to be worst to first in the NFL this year? I don't know if I have a great one for this, man. I really don't. Um, if if I had to pick somebody, I'm not going to say that they're going to be best in the NFL. One team I think that actually is going to be pretty improved this year, and this is probably going to take you a little off, off um, guard here, David. I think the Detroit Lions are going to be a competitive football team this year. I, I'm not a Matt Patricia guy, never have been. But if Matt Stafford stays healthy this year, I really like the weapons around him with DeAndre Swift now, Carryon Johnson, those wide receivers, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones. Offensive line is solid. Their defense is not great, but, man, I, I feel like they can outscore some teams. So I'm not going to pick them to be in a big contender in the playoffs. But as a bottom dweller this past season, I think they can get to around 500, maybe sneak a 9-7 and seven record, maybe sneak a wild card, something in that conversation. I'm a big Matt Stafford fan, though, so maybe maybe I'm a little biased towards this type of question. Yeah, you know, when I'm looking at the, you know, it's hard not to improve on a 3-12 and 12 record the Lions had last year. So, you know, I think you might have just picked a homer pick right there because, you know, if they get to five, you look like you're a genius. Um, but, but I mean, for me, if, if you're going to look at it for me, if you're looking at a team that's going to make a significant move, you know, uh, and I'm looking at the, the standings right now, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past the Washington, uh, football team because they're, they're young. Yeah. I almost said it. Their young talent on defense is going to be really impressive. I mean, what they have up front, the front seven for the Washington football team, and the new defensive coordinator and everything that I know Ron Rivera is bringing to the team, I think that defense is going to be really hard to run against, and um, their pass rush is going to be really special. And if not this year, next year, once they all you know coagulate and gel together. But I think that this year they're going to be really impressive. I think the Jaguars are going to take a step back even. Um, but you know, you have the Colts sitting at seven and nine, that would be my ultimate, you want to call it worst to first. I think that team's a 10, 11 win team this year with, with rivers at the, the helm might even be a 12 win team in a hunt for that playoff in that division there. So, and that's a division that had the Texans and Titans in it, but I think the Colts are really primed to take that over. Um, this year coming forward with rivers pulling the trigger. So that would be my one pick if you want to call it worst to first. No, I, I like that one. I didn't even think about the Colts in that conversation. Phillip Rivers, I mean, hey, man, that team just needs a stable element at that quarterback position. That roster, I love it. Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, I, uh, that's a great situation to be in. I agree. The uh, the Colts, I think, are definitely a team that's going to make that jump there, even though they're in a you know competitive division. I, I, I do really like that pick. This one is very specific towards you, David. Uh, fake plastic T that's his at on Twitter slowly wanting to break more and more into the industry. What are some of the best resources and things that someone can do to improve and show investment to future employers? Let's take it one step at a time. There's a couple questions in here. I know Brad already gave us his two cents from your perspective. What are some things that you should be taking necessary steps to break into the industry? 
the key the key is work ethic. If you look at any of the bios of the guys that are up at the top of the chain, you're going to see guys that work their way up there for the most part. You don't see a bunch of guys that got a silver spoon in their mouth handed to them. I mean, it, it really takes a lot of hard work. So piggybacking off of what Brad said, you know, you have to go to a program and 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 get dirty. I know when I broke into the league at the Miami Dolphins, I wasn't in scouting. I, I was in uh, team operations where I, I had to move furniture and deliver mail and fill water coolers every day, two, three times a day. And, you know, I was responsible for ordering the Gatorade and stuff. It wasn't pretty when you, you know, where we start, it's just, you know, you got to work, you got to show you have the work ethic to get where you want to go. And that work ethic is obviously respected by those because they've come from similar backgrounds and things. So you'll be rewarded as you move forward. You know, if you're really looking to get into the business now, I honestly think, and this is self-promotion, but it's true. If you take Friday night scout school and you learn how to scout from an early age, whether you're in a coaching or you're trying to be an evaluator at some point in your life, um, you know, you might be a film guy at Colgate right now, but eventually you want to be an evaluator. Taking courses from Friday night scout school to learn how to evaluate and see practice in a different light, hear the coach speak, hear the scout speak that we, we do and we bring every Friday night can help a young scout. That's why we developed this, right, Ryan? That's why you and I got into this was to develop a course that really translated not only to scouts, but to coaches, to agents, to players just wanting to evaluate themselves and understand how to do it. Those kind of things, if I wish I had this kind of thing when I was younger. I know part of the question was, what do you wish when you had younger? I mean, I have a political science degree from San Francisco State. I did two congressional internships. I thought I was going to law school, and then I took a right, and I wound up here now 18 years later. None of that prepared me for scouting. And, and when I got into the scouting world, I had to learn it all. I had to learn the, the scouts, the, the scout speak. I had to learn schemes. I had to start to identify talent and how to do it. And with without guys like Dave Gettleman, Ken Sternfeld, um, Larry Ennis, the late Larry Ennis, um, and John Amamil, all these guys in in uh, geez, Steve Malin, Donnie Etheridge, I can go on and on. If they didn't take the investment and teach me this stuff at an early age, early scouting age, I would not be here today. So by having a resource like Friday Night Scout School, taking advantage of that right now is something that I would do because then when I walked in the building, I'd be better prepared, ready for, you know, whatever they threw at me. And I love how you phrase it, you know, taking advantage of opportunity. This is something that hasn't really been readily available to people, right? Like they always ask, how do you get in the industry? How do you get in the industry? We are literally giving you an opportunity to learn from yourself and from me as well. But obviously a, a person that has had 18 years of scouting experience, we're putting it out there, right? Like you take this, this is an opportunity. It's, it's almost like we're walking up and hitting somebody in the face. It, it, it drives me crazy when people don't take advantage of opportunity. So definitely Friday night scout school, I think is a, a great plug there. Obviously, you know, us being a part of it, we want as many people to come take a look because we think that we can give a lot of value to this market, to these people that have these aspirations, obviously. But I will say that it's been a, a joy to, to be able to work together. Um, obviously, my background's a little different in the fact of, you know, NFL Draft Bible scouting director. So I do independent scouting. I'm not for a team specific. But I will say, similarly to you, 
you know, I'm a teacher still, you know, as a full-time job, right? Like it's not something where it's glamorous. It's not like I would love to just do football 24 seven because we talked about this, right? Since I was nine years old, this is what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to be some capacity doing something with football. It's something that I love. So if I had to give any advice, take advantage of every opportunity, put yourself out there and work your ass off. Cause at the end of the day, man, like the, the, the work speaks for itself at the end of the day. We talk, I mean, we talked to Brad, right? Like he wrote that, that, that portfolio, right. With all the, with the scouting and reports that he just kind of put together. And, and like yourself, you said, you took a lot, uh, look at it and you're like, this is pretty damn good, man. Like this is, this is nice stuff. Right. And then obviously he gets his opportunity, makes his headway with the Raiders I feel like that we've heard some success stories like that. And, you know, hey, man, taking advantage of every opportunity that comes. Well, with think it. about what Brad said really quick. I'll take a little bit longer on this call on this con- on this question. Brad sent that to about three to four people in every building. So he and it was a book. Don't get me wrong. This was a thick book. This was not like a 100-page book. This was like 300, 400-page type thing where he broke down every player. He had some analytics in it, statistical stuff. I mean, I remember it till this day, and that was freaking, you know, how many years ago? 11, 12, 13 years ago? So, yeah, I mean, back when I, you know, I had hair. So, I mean, it was just like, but it was just like, it's it's an impressive piece of body of work, and he put his heart and soul into it. And, guys, he got one opportunity. And that was to walk in our building and then show that he could belong there. And he did that. Once he got in the building, he proved he belonged there. And then I started making an investment in him and other scouts, the veterans started making more investments in him. And then after I left, obviously, he took all that investment that we made in him and he turned it into a director level career. So that's the kind of, you know, work ethic you need to have when you're going forward and it's not easy. There is no shortcuts. I mean, as much as people in today's day and age, which I, you know, I could give them a shortcut. There isn't, you have to put the work in, you have to grind. If you're unwilling to do that, then any kind of success you have will be hollow success because the only thing that fills the success up is the work that you did before you got it. And like you said, Ryan, this is the reason we did this school is because I didn't have this education growing up. You're a teacher. I want to teach these guys how to do it. So us developing the lesson plan each week together, you know, we're teaching these guys the roadmap to be successful. And for people who don't take advantage of it, I'm sorry. Maybe you just don't want it bad enough. Because if I had this kind of thing in front of me, if I had a guy like – Larry Ennis back in the day or a Tim Rooney saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to come teach you every day, every Friday night, I'm going to come to your house and teach you for an hour, how to be a scout. You best believe I would be there with a pen and paper and no distractions, phones off, not just listening and taking him in the whole time because that's what I want it to be. That's what I want to do. And so for these guys, yeah, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I have been 18 years in. I've picked the undrafted free agents that became all-stars. I've also made my mistakes on picking guys, and they've not pan out. Learn from guys like me. Well, guess what? You have access to me right now, whether it's the podcast and its questions, whether it's Maverick Sports Consulting and signing up for one of our packages, whether it's coming to Friday Night Scout School, whether it's tuning in on any of the 
uh, NFL draft Bible stuff that I do, I'm putting myself out there for everybody to learn from and completely opening my door to people's questions, comments, and wanting to educate them. That's what we, tr- we, we developed Maverick Sports Consulting to do was to be there to help them maximize their opportunities. So I'm just thankful to have guys like you and Rick in my corner helping me do it every and, give, and showing me how to do it the right way to get these people the access they need to me. Yeah, and and if I'll add one last thing, I feel like we could talk about this forever, but like the thing that I always tell students is like the people before you, that this is why we learn history, this is why we learn from our parents. They did things, they made mistakes, right? They did some great things, they also made mistakes. You have to learn from both. It's not just learning how to be successful, it's learning how people made mistakes and not to do that again, right? We talk about history repeating itself in your career, in my career that's developing, right? Like we've made mistakes. Not everything has been perfect, perfect, perfect. You have to learn from the good and the bad, just kind of throwing that in there at last. Learning what not, hold on, learning what not to do is more valuable than learning what to do. Understand that. If you learn where not to step, it's more valuable than learning where to step. Okay, listen to James Kirkland, our first guest ever. He said he made mistakes when he got into recruiting and Levy just taught him how to do it and gave him a a chance to recover. All our guests, I think, that we've talked about, have talked about making mistakes, learning from them, but learning from people's mistakes, keeping you out of the same mistake, is more valuable than any roadmap on how to get anywhere. I guarantee you that. Know why I know? Because I've made my share of mistakes. And as Brad said earlier, I am who I am. Some people don't like me. Some people do. I make my mistakes, but I've learned from them. You know, I've learned. Absolutely. And speaking of learning from mistakes, William at William Duncan NY asks, what are the main things you initially look for when watching film on edge rushers? Well, William, you've made a fatal mistake by calling them edge rushers. Because in my dialect, my language, there is no such thing. There are either 34 outside rush linebackers or there's 43 defensive ends. There is nothing in between. If he's in between, that means he's an athlete without a home, which means I can't use him because he doesn't fit in this scheme. Okay? So, you know, again, fatal flaws about... Edge rushers, there is none because why? They don't exist. <laughs> so. Well, let, let's do this. Let's do this, David. Let's break it down and actually answer the question. Having a little fun, obviously, with you, William. <laughs> uh, if you haven't tuned in before, you don't know David Turner hates the term edge rusher. So let's break this down. Uh, 4-3 defensive end, David. We're taking a look at a Miles Garrett, let's say. What's the first yeah. thing that you're looking at when you're looking at a de- uh, four three end in a in a uh, even front? Even front. I'm watching his stance and his get off. What's his first step look like? And on a and again, if it's an obvious rundown, what's his st- what's his step look like? And then if it's an obvious pass down, what's his step look like? They should be different because you have different responsibilities on those two obvious plays. If it's an obvious run play, you're going to actually have to come off the ball. And, you know, secure an edge, um, set the edge, maybe turn the guy back in, not overcommitting, you know, to the quarterback, opening up in a wide rush lane on the outside. Now, if it's an obvious pass down, you know, his first step needs to be very 
automatic upfield, nice big explosion. Coil his stance will be a nice coiled stance, ready to explode. The best guys I've ever seen do these kind of different steps look the same in their stance, so the so the uh, tackle can't figure out what they're about to do, but their energy coming off the ball is just slightly different, just to make sure that they you know handle their run responsibility if it's a rundown. But if it's a if it's a pass down, they really explode and can get get off in a way in which we'll put pressure on that tackle uh, right at the snap of the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's what comes to mind when I when I get asked that question too, right? Like I want a guy that has that first step that puts an offensive tackle in a tough situation to have to really work hard outside, and then what happens? You open up your your chest. You fly, you fly your inside shoulder free, and then that leads to potential inside go, right? A couple of inside opportunities. I, I like guys that really press hard outside. From a physical perspective, I really want to touch base on that just so we have kind of a threshold understanding in our mind, right? Like, so I think of four, three defensive ends. I'm thinking long. I'm thinking length. I'm thinking long arms. We talk about that huge tackle radius. I want guys that can press, extend, and and set a firm edge on the outside. I'm picturing 6'5", in a, six five plus on the edge, a guy that has some length to his arms, and then obviously that athletic profile to fret in the outside corner uh, that just gives you so many options, right? Like I want a, a versatile edge rusher. I don't want just a speed guy. I want a guy that if you take away that initial speed rush, has the ability to work an inside counter, press back inside, convert speed to power, whatever it might be. So in my mind, I'm thinking long, lean, I'm thinking powerful, and I'm thinking the ability to gain a lot of extension on the edge for a 4-3 four, four, defensive end. I think a 43 end, uh, if you're looking on the, you know, obviously the right side of the defense, left side of the offense, that speed rusher off the outside, you're going to see guys like, Either, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul, who's like 6'6 and long, like you talked about. OCU Manura, who was his first get off was huge, was, was amazing. But I think he was more in the 6'4 range. Um, but, you know, the 6'4 to 6'6 kind of guys really have the ability to coil and explode and get off the ball. You know, I was, I was fortunate around my, my very first year in the league. I was with Jason Taylor down in Miami. So I'm watching a 6'6 you know, long, lean uh, guy who I think weighed about 255, 250, you know, play an edge. And I was just like, wow, this is impressive to watch him. And then I go up from there to the Giants where Michael Strahan was, and I got to see Strahan play in person. Two different styles, though. Strahan had more power to him at that point. He wasn't a speed rusher. He he played on the left side of the line, so he had more of a, a power game to him. He could really long arm and walk tackles back into the quarterback's lap you know he could turn an edge with his hand violence and his uh his quabs his you know ability to flip a corner and his bend so and explode but a guy like osu manura when i first got exposure to os i was like holy crap like his explosion his first step was so rare like i had never seen it before in my scouting career before i saw osi do it and it's just once in a lifetime type explosion and get off so you know, again, there you can measurable wise. You like six four to six six. You like guys two fifty to two seventy five at the very max, probably two sixty five better range. Guys with long arms, like you said, thirty threes to thirty fours, and have uh, the the 
upper body strength to press and extend and get the tackles um, girth off of them and then work off contact from there. I, I had so many thoughts when you were just talking there, David, because I'm I'm just thinking about OCU Manure, and then I my mind went to like tr- the University of Troy had guys like Demarcus Ware and then OCU Manure coming out. I'm like, that's insane. Just thinking about that, like a smaller school having guys like that coming out. Back in the day, Troy was there. a hell of a place to go shopping, bro. Like I'm telling you, like scouting Troy, you were gonna find a player. They had they had him, they had him, they had him, they had him. They you were gonna find a player at Troy. I guarantee it. Yeah, I, I remember like that. That's like one of my first vivid like Senior Bowl memories. I remember Demarcus Ware going down there and just absolutely dominating down in Mobile. That was one that really sticks out. Love the Strayham too because I loved Michael Strayham growing up because I was kind of like an anti Eagles fan. Wasn't really I didn't did not like the Eagles at all. So Michael Strayham used to eat John Runyon's lunch, dude. John Runyon was such a good football player, but Michael Strayham would beat the ever loving poop out of him. I, I didn't know if that was politically correct to say on a podcast, but we're unmuzzled here on Mavs. Just go for it, whatever you want. You we are it. unmuzzled here on Mavs. Great point there. Last question of the night from Mr. Mark Jarvis. Uh, he apologized for being a little bit late. You're not late, Mark. We're still on. Question for David Turner. What was it like being the odd man out uh, on a player in a meeting? Let's say you're on a cross check. Um, you're, you're on a cross check for a supposed top 50 guy that another scout loved, but you just don't see it. How does that process play out as a staff? Great question. First, Mark, you know, agree, yeah, great question. But first, Mark, if it's a top 50 player, you probably aren't going to say, I don't see it. And he does see it. You're going to see it just not as much as he sees it. Um, that's probably how it's going to work. So, you know, at the end of the day, you have to defer to the guy whose responsibility is to know the player because he went into the school. He did the work. He's he's done the character, the medical. He's talked to the strength coaches. He knows this kid. The tape evaluation on a cross check, if you're a team that just does tape evaluations on cross checks, you're going to be like, you know what? I don't see him as a third rounder. You know, I got him in the mid fourth, early fifth, you know, something like that. I think, you know, he's not as fast and, and maybe not as athletic as we were looking for. But then again, you go back to the measurables. That's why scouting is a process. It's not to get to the decision. You do the initial scouting, you go and you talk about, or you go and take the measurables. He does some kind of workout. You got, you know, speed and arm and hand, all those things. You got a medical grade on the guy. You have a character grade on the guy. And you have a film grade on the guy. And maybe two or three film grades on a guy. And typically, if he's a top 50 guy, you have the directors watched him. The GMs watched him. You have a scout that watched him. And you have a cross checker that watched him. So if you got four grades minimum, and if they have a regional director or a national guy, you could have five grades on a top 50 guy. Most top 100 guys, you got four to five grades on them already. If all five guys see them vastly different, something's wrong. If you got three guys in one book and bucket and one in the other, you go with the three guys. You know what I mean? It's the best you can do with the decision at the time. <clears throat> but where you're going to find the arguments – I think what he's really t- trying to talk about are down in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Those are the ones where you might have a guy going, I don't see it, he's a free agent, and a guy going, no, he's definitely a fifth-round pick. And that's where you're going to hear those arguments because that might be one or two guys that seen a guy. Um, 
the medicals clean, the characters clean, you know, all that kind of off the field stuff works for, for the, the organization. So now it's about what do you see? And even back there, it's typically the scout that wins out is the scout that went into the school, did the school visit. And that's the grade that takes higher priority. Awesome question there, Mark. Want to thank everybody for submitting questions this week for the mailbag portion of Mavs Sports Take. It, I, I had a ton of fun on this episode diving in with Mr. Brad Kaplan. I also taking a listen to Danny Godlewski, the now 2020 NFL Draft prospect, officially not playing football this year for Miami, Ohio. Uh, David, we have had the, pl- the, the, the privilege now of talking to some incredible people, Mr. Tom Pelosero. If you all haven't heard that one, I would definitely go take a look. We talked to him last week. It's been so much fun just having some people on. James Kirkland a couple weeks ago, like you mentioned earlier. We're talking to some people that have obviously, you know, have had huge roles in the industry, right? Like yourself and have so much expertise and so much experience to talk about and and to speak um, from a personal level which I feel like a lot of people can take a lot of great things from. From this episode specifically, David, what do you want us to leave us on tonight? Obviously, another week. We are officially in college football season. Uh, it still feels a little weird. NFL, uh, you know, very quickly coming upon us as, as well um, next weekend, if I have that correctly. So uh, what, what do you want to leave us with tonight, my man? Well, I'd like to, you know, leave all, the, all those listeners that are out there that are curious about the business of, of the sports – not just football. I know we talk a lot of football, but just business of sports. You know, they can ask any question they want to try to get behind the scenes, you know, take on what's it like to build teams, rosters, what it's like to manage a roster, what it's like to be an athlete trying to break in, whatever your, whatever your question is, just feel free to, you know, take a shot. There's no dumb questions here. Now I will say, if you're going to ask me where some kid's going to get drafted, like I told you before, go to a different show. That's not our show. We're here about education going on a higher level for you guys. I, I, I got him, David. I got him. We got all we got all areas here, man. We got all areas, all ventures. We got everything covered on Mav Sports Take. That's where you're wrong, my friend. <laughs> um, but the biggest takeaway tonight to me was we both our guests talked about how hard working they are. You know, you got to work hard in life. You got to work smart in life. If you really want to understand where you're sitting at life. Why not refer yourself or try to get yourself an expert, a mentor in your corner? And right now, again, taking advantage of what we offer at Mav Sports Consulting, MaverickSportsConsulting.com, you can go there and really pick a package that fits what you're looking for in your life right now. Whether it's you need to evaluate to see if you should come out, opt out, whether it's you need an, you're an agent and you want to know how to market a kid who's opting out, uh, develop a whole marketing plan for social media. Is it to plan what you should be doing? You know, we heard Danny talk about staying at school, working with his coaches, going to sign with JL Sports, and then move forward. You know, as a director of ANC, you know, we're, we're getting ready to launch our what we're calling our Q camps, and those are going to be this fall. We're going to come out, and we're going to give opportunities to athletes to try to have quality evaluations during the fall, which we've never done at ANC before, but we feel the marketplace needs it this year, so we're trying to do it. Come to Mav Sports Consulting, check us out, see what we offer, and take advantage of our experience. Put it, in, put it behind you. That's what we really want you to do. Take away from this, 
you know, guys like Danny and guys like Brad are working hard trying to, you know, navigate this unprecedented time in adversity, you know, find your expert and put them to work for you. That's really well said. Again, Mav Sports Consulting. Definitely take a look at Maverick Sports Consulting. You can find David Turner also at Mav underscore sports. For the NFL Draft Bible perspective, we offer, just like David said, an opportunity to educate here at um, NFL Draft Bible. Whether that is uh, Baldy seminars, Baldy breakdowns every third Wednesday, uh, bringing you into a man that you see every week on NFL Network, right? Like these are the industry professionals that we're bringing to you guys. We had Tom Pelissero on this podcast last week. So we're bringing you the best in the business. Obviously, every scout school uh, has been so much fun every Friday night, 9 Eastern time, teaching with David Turner uh, about, you know, the scouting world, developing our eye for the game. Uh, It's been a ton of fun. We're diving into safeties this week, breaking down guys like Jamal Adams, uh, Buda Baker and uh, Eddie Jackson, one of my favorite guys out of the University of Alabama a couple years ago. So if you aren't signed up yet, I would definitely go take a look at our season pass. You can sign up a la carte, whatever you want to do. I would definitely recommend those uh, for you guys all. Make sure you like, share, and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm at Rise and Drift again. David is at Matt underscore sports. We thank you all. Thank everybody on the mailbag so much for taking the time tonight. If you you all liked what you heard, send us a review. You can review us on whatever platform you are listening to. You want to send us a line on Twitter. That works as well. So from myself, Ryan Roberts, Mr. David Turner, signing off here for Math Sports Takes Episode 4. See you all next week. Same time, same place. Thank you all.